Welcome to the Elevate Podcast, brought to you by the Registered Master Builders. Each week we explore the ideas and practices that help us get the best from our businesses, our teams, and ourselves. I'm your host, Ryan Castle. We talk to experts, advocates, and business owners in the construction industry to share their knowledge, insights, and experiences to help you build a better business and enjoy a better life. In addition to the podcast, now let the business building begin. David, welcome along to the podcast. Fantastic to have you here, Chief Executive of the Master Builders. Uh, We're looking forward to a bit of an update from you. You've been a uh, busy gentleman in the last few weeks. I think think we all have, and yeah, busy, hopefully productive as well, but no, there's plenty going on and some interesting and useful stuff as well, yeah. Yeah, and I think constructive has been a big part of what's happened, and it's we're going to talk a little bit about what's gone on constructive and the different uh, formats and those kind of things we've had to deliver in this uh, COVID world that we operate in. Um, but I know one of the key themes has been building resilience for a stronger future. Can you tell us a bit about how that came about and how you've seen it play out? Um, well, first of all, I think about the change in format, so that's part of our own resilience and having to respond um, to what's in front of us and. Uh, a move to the virtual events. So, so we decided to go for four webinars, um, all with a slightly different um, angle, but with the overall theme about resilience. And in one sense, talking about resilience is, is a no-brainer. In the post-COVID or the, the current COVID situation, that's what it's all about for so many businesses, is being adaptable and being resilient and thinking about what are the other opportunities where we've come from is trying to break it up into the different parts. Uh, we started with the commercial part of the sector, so that's the larger com- um, vertical contractors, uh, residential side. The third one that we, we've just had is the political side uh, with the Minister of Finance, Grant Robertson, and the National Party spokesperson, Paul Goldsmith. Um, and then we've got one more to go as, as at the time of recording. Uh, which is thinking about uh, what does the future look like um, and also looking at what's happened with the Accord. How well has that worked? And what's been the uh, sense from the construction sector overall? Do they feel somewhat lucky, if I could use that word, and that compared to lots of other industries that have literally just had to stop, full stop, if we talk uh, tourism or hospitality, it feels like their ride has been a lot more challenged. Not to say that construction has been without challenge, but at least mm-hmm. by and large, um, you know, not in small parts of the work you've done, been able to keep industry going t- to a degree. Is that the sense from the, from the teams out there? I think uh, to a degree there's a sense of relief so far is the way I put it that yes the the construction sector has fared a lot better than others and probably better than we feared it might. Um, Variations in some parts uh, I think in terms of residential it stood up a lot stronger than anyone thought Um, and, and as we look ahead We've got to monitor that quite closely. I think there's still some bumps in the road, but we're starting for a much stronger point than we might have. And residential builders have had a chance to do some planning and thinking. Vertical commercial has been hit a bit earlier because there have been some of those big projects, you know, the obvious ones like the hotel hotels that haven't gone ahead for obvious reasons. Um, and maybe some uh, ancillary type um, activities. So they've been hit a bit earlier. Um, but again, not too bad at this stage. The concern there is probably more around what we call the race to the bottom where people cut margins. But, but overall, I think you know, the good businesses are doing their planning. And we've heard some good stories about both residential and commercial builders 
using that opportunity during the shutdown to think about their business and saying, you know, we talk about working on the business, not in the business, here's our chance. So there's no excuses uh, during that shutdown for not taking that opportunity. And some have done that really, really impressively. Mm. I've had similar experiences with lots of the clients we have in the construction sector. Uh, the ones that uh, relish that opportunity to work on the business uh, felt like they got a much clearer on what their future business would, would look like and yeah. uh, really thought about what was going yeah. on in that shutdown as a, as a speed bump rather than a um, terminal, shall we say, as a, yeah. as a business. So it was a, it was a good place to be. Do you happen to know, David, I know the construction sector is a huge contributor to our economy. Do you happen to know kind of like in GDP dollar terms, how much it contributes? Oh, it's it's around nineteen to twenty billion dollars in terms of GDP. So that's um, around six to eight percent of GDP. So it's one of the big contributors, mm-hmm. and that's one of the things that we've been reinforcing to government that we hear a lot in the media about uh, the likes of tourism and hospitality and retail, how hard they've been hit, and they have been. The point we're making though is if you going to look at the economic recovery you need to look at those sectors that can really contribute and construction is a big one Um, not just the size of the GDP but the level of employment so we're about the third or biggest employer by sector in New Zealand we also have and Grant Robertson uh, picked this up the other day recognizing some stuff we've been putting out it has one of the the bigger um, economic multipliers so that's for you know every dollar that's spent in construction, uh, about another two dollars sixty is spent elsewhere um, from associated activity. So so it ends up with a multiplier of three point six. So that's right near towards the top. So if you're thinking about stimulus, construction is a really good place to start. It also is one, as I say, of the bigger employers. So I think um, the government's taking that on. We need to keep reminding them so that it's based on some fact, not just emotion. Right. And what's been the response for the virtual series? You know, it's been a necessity. Uh, It was either not going to happen or we could do it and deliver it it virtually. What's been the response from people you've talked to? The big thing that that I measure success by is this wasn't just for Master Builders members, it's for the whole industry. So I've been really pleased that we've had people from across the sector Um, builders, designers, clients, government agencies uh, tuning in. And that's that's really good. So really pleased with that response. And we've had a number of people who have been there for part of it, but, but gone out. And that's because they're doing other things. The other thing that we've thought about, and we will continue to hit the audience, is uh, by recording and by taking um, segments out, we can put together some of the more interesting in, uh, areas and we'll be weaving that together. Uh, so yeah, overall really pleased with the first effort in doing it in this format. Fantastic. And if we talk uh, initially about the commercial construction sector, what were they talking about in the future? Was there some opportunities there that stood out for you? I think um, just to, to set up that part of it, Ryan, uh, what we don't want to do is just redefine the problem, but thinking about practical opportunities to change and and pushing the boundaries of it. For me, probably the person who stood out is Shane Breeley, who's um, very well known in the sector, one of the smarter thinkers, and he's been talking about what he's learned over the last 30 odd years working in the construction sector um, and about the need and the argument for changing. 
and how he has, through what he's done, proved that you can do things differently and better and make very considerable productivity improvements. Um, and in both he and Peter Fell, who has most recently stood down as uh, looking after Auckland University property, have talked about um, the fundamental flaws of using a competitive tendering process versus thinking about the whole team approach. And, and the better parts of the private sector uh, will look to have an ongoing relationship with the main contractor and to have a team. And so Shane talked about the productivity and efficiency gains because they consistently work with the same people, the same partners. And, and as he said, instead of falling over each other, they know what they're doing. They know where they fit and they just get on with things. And, and they truly live that, um, that view that for me to succeed, I need you to succeed as well. So um, he's shown that it's, it's worked. Uh, Peter, who's been a, um, a, you know, a big client representative for a number of years, is very much sold on that. Uh, so that's just one example. And if people tune into our podcasts or recordings, you'll see some more of that. And David, when you uh, talk about that one team, you know, a conversation that comes up a lot around construction is the challenge around getting projects consented and actually to the build phase. Uh, yep. Was uh, Peter and Shane, were they talking about uh, having council and government as part of that one team as well, rather than uh, everyone sitting on the outside and, and maybe council and the regulators sitting on the other? How um, do they think about that? Not, they didn't get so much into that part of it. I think theirs is more with the client because that's where it sits. I think, I think the issue around consenting, RMA, building consenting in particularly, um, particularly comes through strongly in the residential side. It's a, a bigger part of the problem. Uh, and there has been considerable talk about what we need to do to reform and to strip away some of that, um, that red tape that's holding people back. Okay. We've seen and have been fortunate enough to have some interaction with uh, Daryl Trigg, the outgoing Master Builders uh, president, and he has just been such a fan of this, uh, let's stop competing, let's stop racing to zero, let's stop trying to essentially um, score one over the other so that we can, just one person can make a profit and that really collaborative approach. And he's done it very successfully in a lot of commercial commercial projects and established really good ongoing uh, work with a lot of his customer base. So I think he's a great uh, testimony to being able to actually achieve that approach. Yeah, he has been. And um, and Daryl is one of a, a growing number of people that have come to that understanding. In terms of trying to achieve that, though, is you've got to have the client on side because the contractor can say that uh, as, as much as they like. But if the client says, no, I don't believe that, I'm still going to a competitive tender process and I'm going to take the cheapest, then you get nowhere. What's gratifying, uh, and we're hearing more of, is particularly led by some of the, the government uh, agencies. They're getting that message and they're starting that process, but it's not something you just um, flick a switch. Um, but but uh, I think government ministers, the, the construction accord, uh, and government agencies get that that's, um, that that's the, the truth, actually. Mm -hmm. It's factually proven. So we're starting to see a change. There might be some contracts where you say it's pretty straightforward and there'll be a, still be a greater weighting on price. Mm -hmm. um, but that shouldn't be the default position for every contract. And so there needs some more intelligent thinking 
as to what is this contract? How do I make sure that I get a fair price? If, if I go back to, um, to Shane Brealey's comment, he would talk about competitive tendering is the best way to get the cheapest price for the most inefficient process. Yes. On the other hand, he would say a negotiated price, you'll get a fair price and you'll get the most efficient process. As an aside, I heard this morning uh, people talk about a brands report on Radio New Zealand and I only caught a part of it, but a big part of it that that sticks in my mind is the amount of waste and rework we have, whether it's commercial or residential, and having a a team that's working with the client is the best way to, to cut out that waste and that rework. Absolutely. Yeah. And we could talk for hours about uh, some of the processes that are used to try and win a, win a tender because it's the only way to win it on price and then trying to build margin back in with uh, changes afterwards, etc. And it, it just leaves a, a situation where no one's happy and no one feels like they're winning. So if we can uh, front end that with some good relationships and some good outcomes from the start, much better for everyone involved. And if I could just finish with one that Peter Fell talks about, he talks about the All Blacks. And, and he talks about, um, you know, what if you picked a different team every single week? Uh, what's the chance that you'll have a consistent winning formula? Yeah, I think that would be around about zero, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's right. And who <laughs> yeah, wants to lose yeah. every week? Yeah, and uh, let's hope that we actually get to see some uh, All Blacks play some games this year so we can uh, see just how that's uh, coming along. Tell us, David, you're also part of the Construction Accord panel. Um, We've talked about it a couple of times on on this podcast, but maybe you can just give us a a quick recap of what that is about and most recent updates from that. Yeah, so this is really a, um, a joint effort between the construction sector and central government endorsed by uh, ministers and the Prime Minister, and it has um, strong engagement from senior officials from a number of government agencies. So that's been working for about 18 months uh, with a number of work streams, I think is making really good progress. And during the shutdown period, I think was particularly useful and it showed its worth as really the go-to channel where Um, Government ministers didn't want to have a thousand people trying to get in their ear. They wanted one forum that they could trust. Uh, And that had a a more representative voice from the construction industry. And I think from the construction industry, there was a lot of maturity and a lot of people stepping up and and being, um, excuse excuse the pun, constructive about their approach. So Mm -hmm. I found it very useful. It's still got some challenges ahead. that was sort of an emergency situation and sometimes it works in emergency, the challenge is to keep it going. So there are a lot of ongoing things we need to work on. We've talked a bit about procurement and that's a particular focus that we're still working on. Uh, Business performance is an area that I'm involved in, uh, which is thinking about um, uh, particularly uh, contractors, but but also design companies and so on, uh, subcontractors. How do you Uh, understand what a a successful business looks like and help to lift performance across the board. That's a a big and an ongoing task. And then there's other work streams that are really just starting up now, which are thinking about what does sustainability mean for the construction sector in terms of um, the Zero Carbon Act and so on and so forth. Okay. And one of the terms that's coming into the court is the Rapid Mobilisation Playbook. Uh, Great term. What's that all about? Um, that's about how do you bring um, contracts um, to the market and to fruition 
more quickly. So what are the techniques that, that you can use to cut through some of the traditional ways? Some of it's linked uh, to the desire to bring forward contracts, particularly in the current economic climate. So if we want economic stimulus, if we want fiscal stimulus, the last thing we want is a protracted procurement and engagement process. Uh, as, as people say, don't waste a crisis. Use that to bring forward these ideas and say, actually, we've got to make this work rather than it'll be a nice to do. Mm -hmm. I like it. And we started the podcast talking about resilience. Uh, we've got a lot of uh, business owners and influential people in the construction sector. What would be your guidance about how we can each contribute to it being a more resilient sector? Uh, oh, I'm not sure that I, <laughs> I can encapsulate that in a, in a single thing. I think there's a range of things that people have to bring to it. They have to think about um, do they have a clear plan and do they have alternatives? So think about the things that might crop up and think about your alternative pathways. You need to think about it in terms of resilience of your own staff. How well are they faring? And that can be simply, do they? are you talking to them about how the business is going? They're also worried about their own health and their families are worried about their own health. And increasingly I hear that whether it's a larger commercial business or a smaller residential business, taking care of their people, talking to them is important. And then, of course, you've got to look after yourself because I think too often we say we put everyone else first, but we don't actually um, have the honest conversation with ourselves or get people that we can talk to and say, hey, look, I'm finding it a bit tough at the moment. Mm -hmm. Just need to offload. So there's a whole range of things. Um, financial resilience is another area that people need to think about. Have they got the capital? Can they build up the capital? Or how are they going to get through the next 12 to 18 months? And David, on the uh, mental wealth, mental health aspect, we had a fantastic podcast episode with John Kerwin and Dr. Fiona Crichton from the uh, Mentimere. So would encourage if someone is looking for help building their resilience and uh, on the mental health, then have a listen to that episode was, was very good. And another framework we like to talk to people about is improve, develop and transform. So when you're thinking about your business, how can we make it more resilient? How can I make myself, you know, the improvers, some things we can do in the, in the near term, might be weeks or, or months. Develop might be starting to look at how we run our business model better over the, you know, maybe 12, 24, 36 month kind of period. And then transform is starting to look a bit further out what's happening in building, what and what uh, things like the Carbon Act and Green Star building, what opportunity might that present for me going forward. So just kind of thinking about those three different layers is a useful framework for people to think about how they can be more resilient, I think. Yeah, that's terrific. And, and I think, you know, some of the conversations we've had with yourselves and, and your, your colleagues over time, you know, part of the message is, is, is people who are running businesses, you do need to find that time to think about your business and spend some time on your business. But too often people are saying, look, I'm too busy. I'll do that next month or in six months' time. And they find it's a year later and they actually haven't got there because they're too busy being busy. Um, and the business never quite moves ahead. So it is a discipline, and, and sometimes you may need some support um, with someone to help externally from the business to just help um, say, right, how do we find that half a day a week or whatever it is, um, or half a day a fortnight it might start out, where you actually say, I am going to set that time aside. Absolutely. And David, I think I've probably asked about 10,000 business owners uh, to date, have you ever run out of things to do? And uh, I haven't had anyone say yes to me yet. And I think that's a, a good indication that there will always be more 
to do than there is time to get it done. So you can't wait until everything's finished to then start working on the business and building more resilience. You actually do need to put that time and make it a priority, which we understand is easier said than done, but uh, for the organizations and the leaders of organizations that we see do that, they improve their teams, improve and their businesses improve as well. Yeah, and you talked about, about Daryl Trigg earlier, and I think he's a good example of um, he got to that discipline. So, yeah, it's it's a struggle for all of us, I assure you. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, and David, thinking about constructing, I understand we've still got one session to go. When you reflect on what stood out for you so far, is there a, is there a key uh, item or idea or address or delivery from someone that really stands out for you? Uh, look, I, th I think there are a number of them. Um, uh, I think the thing that continues to uh, encourage and inspire me is that a lot of the wisdom comes from within the sector. And one of the things we've been consistent with uh, in the constructive approach over the last few years and continuing this year is using people from the sector. It's a lot more credible when you see someone who's been successful talking about what they've done than to have um, a consultant talk about what you should do or stories that they have heard about. Um, and people want to hear that stuff because they see who's been successful and saying, how did they do that? And, and it can be quite simple things. And I think the value is that they're all human. You know, they make mistakes. They, as they say, put, put on trousers one leg at a time. That's the key thing. But in each case, often it comes down to some fairly simple things around, I'm repeating myself, working on the business, taking time to think about where they want to go and not being afraid to ask for some help. Absolutely, making sure they take care of themselves and their family on the on the way through. Yeah. Uh, absolutely, uh, David. I think we know that if the if people want to access the recordings of the constructive, they can go to constructive.org.nz to to access those, yep. and then we'll also do some work to pull out, as you say, some highlight pieces out yep. of those those videos and bring them uh, in there as well. David, thank you to you. I know you and your team at Master Builders have been doing a huge amount of work with Constructive, with the Construction Accord. Uh, we were fortunate to run an AGM for the Master Builders last week and we got some amazing feedback from members uh, just saying how much they value the support they're getting from Master Builders as an organisation, from their regional managers. Uh, some great stories coming in from the branches and, and what's happening around around the country. So uh, thank you to you and your team for what you're managing to deliver out to our uh, sector. It's greatly appreciated. Well, thank you, Ryan. It's a pleasure. Okay. Thanks, David. We'll look forward to seeing you on the next podcast. Take care. Thanks, Ryan. Bye-bye.